Las Vegas. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you will dial 702-650-5588. Again, if you're local, you'd like to join in on discussion today. If you have a praise report, you have a comment, uh, a a blessing, uh, just want to talk. We want to hear from you. 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. That would be 800-366-8883. I say again, if you're calling outside the local Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. 800-366-8883. We are being broadcasted live from KKVV's AM Dow and FM Dow. The AM Dow would be 1060 AM and the FM Dow would be 101.5 FM. Also, we're being streamed live, audio and visual over the internet. I like to call it the God Net. It wouldn't be an internet without God. And that web address would be www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just wave to you. We're also being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website. Our website address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, please go over to our website. Again, www.savethelostlv.org. Please click on to any of the prior broadcasts that you have missed. The gospel is always free on our watch. It doesn't cost you anything to listen. In addition to that, we're also on iTunes. That would be Apple iTunes, and it's no cost to hear us on iTunes as well. Well, I am here with the Holy Spirit and all my listeners. Uh, A lot of times, Brother Vernon Davis is here with me, but Vernon was not here with me today. And we are blessed occasionally to have Pastor Joseph E. Terry Sr., excuse me, Jr., Uh, His father was a senior, and uh, he's not joining us today, but both these wonderful men of God are with us in spirit, and I'm sure they're tuning in from where they are. You know, God always has us where we need to be at the appropriate time. So I am blessed to be here with all of you, and I'd like to get started. We're going to talk about the parable of the wedding feast. Uh, Many of you who are uh, in the United States know that there is a great celebration that's going to be happening uh, tomorrow. It's the 4th of July. Some call it Independence Day. It's when the United States uh, got their independence from uh, Britain. So we celebrate that. 
Uh, but I want to talk about something that's a little bit more eternal in reference to really celebrating your independence. Amen. And knowing that your salvation is secure. So let's look at this. In addition to that, I'd like to uh, honor my brother. Uh, he will have 55 years of life uh, tomorrow, uh, July the 4th. Roger, you know I love you and I thank God for you. And we are honored to have you in the kingdom and blessing the entire world. Love you, and I know God has got many wonderful things planned for you in your next year of life. So we are thankful and honored and love you more. And thank you, Jesus. Now, again, we're talking about the parable of the wedding feast. So we'll find this in Matthew 22. Now, there's one that's similar, uh, the parable of the great banquet, which you'll find in Luke 14, 15 through 24. But this is different. There are some similarities, but this is different. The one we're going to talk about today is the parable of the wedding feast. So I'm in Matthew 22, and I'm going to read the first 14 verses. I'm in the New King James Version and the red letter edition. And when Jesus is speaking, it's written in red. And uh, you will see... It will become very apparent when Jesus is speaking. Amen? But if you don't have the letter, red letter edition, he starts speaking in verse 2 and he goes through 14. So we are covering Matthew 22, verse 1 through 14. And the word of God says this, verse 1. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, Two, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Three, and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Verse four, again he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. 5. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. 6. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. 7. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burnt up their city. 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. 9. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. 10. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. 12. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. 13. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. 
And that is the parable of the wedding feast. Again, that was found in Matthew 22, and we read verses 1 through 14. So I want to give you a little background so that things will start coming into clear focus for you. And when we have Jewish society at the time that this was taking place, weddings were handled a lot different than they are now. Number one, it was a celebration that took a long time. It could take well up to a week. People had to travel from a long way to be guests of the wedding because it was for close family and friends and for those who wanted to bear witness to this wonderful blessed union of souls. Amen. So it took time to get the people there, to get things there. And so the celebration, like I said, lasted a week. Now we here in Las Vegas know they have weddings called drive-through weddings. How long does a drive-through wedding last? As long as probably about 10 minutes and probably the longest part might be uh, handing the paper to have a signature on there and then giving it back to the officiant. Sad, but you know, this is a business for some people. Amen. So the parents of the groom drew up the marriage contract and the bride and the groom would meet And sometimes this would be just for the first time when the contract was signed. Then the couple were actually considered married at that point. You have heard the word uh, betrothed. Well, they would be betrothed at that time. The woman would be spoken for and she would be recognized as a wife at that time. So now they would usually separate where the wife would still stay with her parents, and the groom had to go prepare for his wife. He had to prepare a home for her. You know, her family wouldn't release her unless he was able to provide for her and he was able to take care of her. So he had to make sure all that was in place. Then you never knew when he was going to come back. So you had to be ready. You have to catch that in your spirit. You never know when the groom, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, is coming back for his bride, which is us. So you have to be ready. Amen. It's so powerful how things were happening in society that was truly indicative of a kingdom relationship and that a king was among the people. Amen. So. He's preparing for his bride. He's making sure that all the provisions are available. Then he doesn't announce when he comes back. He comes back and then guess what? The ceremony happens. The wedding happens. So all the witnesses are there. The families are there. And then as soon as that ceremony would happen, when they are enjoined, with all the witnesses watching, guess what? It's a banquet that happens. So we know that we are hearing about this preparation that's going forth and all the things that it entails. And then you start going to a point in the scriptures where it says that they were invited and they were not willing to come. Wow. 
So let's start breaking it down and looking at that. So we see in Matthew 22, verse 2, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Then we see verse 3. It sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. So, a table has been set. Anything that they needed, the king has already provided and has invited them. They're guests, so they're going to be treated to the king's table. And Jesus says this is likened to the kingdom of heaven. But they refuse to come. Now, let's look at verse 4 and verse 5. It says, Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and fatted cattle are killed. All things are ready. Come to the wedding. Five. But they made light of it and went their way. One to his own farm. Another to his business. And look at verse six. And the rest seized his servants. Treated them spitefully and killed them. Wow. What comes to mind here. As Jesus is speaking to the Jews. And he has come. To give them eternal life. He has offered it. The gift of salvation. They didn't come. Because they questioned his divinity. Who is he? That thinks he's God. They were proud. They were arrogant. They were self-righteous. They wanted to get God their way. See, we have to ask ourselves, women of God and men of God, are we going to get to God our way? Are we going to get to God by the cross? The cross in which Jesus hung on. The cross in which he was crucified. The cross in which he died for our sins. What a gift he has given us. What a horrible judgment he had to face. And he was sinless. Yet he prepares this table for us. And he sends servants not once, not twice, but we see three times he has sent them out. And the last time we see here, they were treated spitefully, horribly, and some were even killed. John the Baptist, his job was to be a prophet and to announce that the kingdom was among us. He announced that he told us to repent and there were prophets before him that were treated horribly and were killed and we do know that the apostles carried the message of Christ and even after Christ walked among us came back 
was resurrected. They were treated horribly, and a lot of them were martyred and killed. For what? Carrying the message that the king commanded them to carry, to give an invitation, and to invite unto death. Rejection. Disobedience. And these were from God's people. These were those that were serving in the temple. Those were from those teaching God's word. These were those who said they were of God. They were directly from the house of Israel. They had great pedigree, if you will. But didn't even recognize he was sent for them. Now we have this before us. And there are still those who are among us who would consider themselves believers still trying to get to God their own way. Loving self-righteousness and rejecting the way that we must come. There are those who say we believe in God, but we question Jesus. Or there are those who say, well, we want to pray to Jesus, but we have no use for God. We want to embrace the Old Testament and do away with the New Testament. Or we want to embrace the New Testament and do away with the Old Testament. We understand the Old Covenant and that's all we want. Or we want the New Covenant and throw away the Old Covenant. Everybody trying their own way to get to God. There's only one way. And Jesus is the way. Either we're going to recognize the cross, the work that was done on the cross, or we will find ourselves a lot like these people in this parable. So let's continue with it. It says seven. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. He sent out his armies, destroying those murderers and burnt up their city. They knew those that were sent were sent by the king. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. They knew that they came. From the most high God. And still. They murdered him. And lied on him. And beat him. And ran him off. And persecuted him. Unmercifully. And like I said. These were supposed to be God's people. That were doing this. Well, if you're God's people, then you have to answer to him. And so he is avenging those that were doing his work 
remember, vengeance are the Lord's. And his word tells us he will repay. Amen. So we're seeing that. Now look at eight. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So those who thought they were God's people claimed they were God's people, but rejected him rejected his invitation and killed his servants well we see here eight he said to his servants the wedding is ready but those who were invited were not worthy remember he went out we see three times he sent his servants to invite them to bring them in to receive the gift of salvation that he had for them Nine, therefore, go into the highways and many as you find, invite to the wedding. He said, as many as you find, anybody that you can find, bring them into the wedding. Well, here come the Gentiles. Which many of us are. We weren't born Hebrews. It's not in our lineage. And it wasn't going to save you. And it wasn't going to guarantee you a seat at the table. Because if you deny the divinity. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then you deny his gifts. And you deny that he has come. To be the full propitiation. Which is the full payment of your sins. You have to understand, we are sinners. We have on filthy rags. How can we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, who has died for us, and he is the one that will be judging us because he's the only one that died for us. How are we going to stand before him and we don't have the garment of salvation on, which he is the one that gives us the garment? Because it is he who has died for us. Not some of us. All of us. Amen. Jew. Gentile. Slave. Free. Any nationality you can imagine. Any language that's spoken you can imagine. Male. Female. Young. Old. Sick. Healthy. Rich. Poor. You name it. He died for us all. So we see he is given the command to go out in the highways, wherever you find them, he, go out. So you're not looking at people who look just like you, that you're familiar with. You are going out. You're casting that net deep and wide. That's what the command has been given now. 10. So those servants went into the highways and gathered together all whom they found. Do you see that? All whom they found. Save the lost at all costs. That's what it's about. Going after the lost. Wherever you can find them. Wherever they are. It says both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. God's going to have his way. Amen. It comes as an invitation. 
but you have no right to afflict and to abuse and to kill his servants. And a lot of times, men and women of God, we are doing that. They're only doing what God has called them to do. Everyone should have a seat at the master's table because it's his desire. They don't question the command. His servants, they execute the command. And they execute it unto death. Amen. Because they serve the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, whether you want them to or not, whether you agree with it or not. They have to give an account for what they do or what they don't do. They have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And they do not want to be wanting. They want to be in right fellowship and relationship. Whether you receive it or not, whether you're encouraging them or not. Whether you're being kind to them or not. That is their assignment. 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on the wedding garment. Well, that's very interesting. And you're like, back in that particular time, when a wedding was taking place and the banquet followed, the king would have wedding garments for his guests to wear. It is such celebration. It is such joy. Does not want you to wear the old garments. Spiritually, the filthy garments. We are new creatures when we become in relationship with Christ, old things fade away. The Holy Spirit resides within us. You cannot have the Holy Spirit residing in you and you are acting as if you did prior to being in a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is inhabiting your temple, which is your body. So, you cannot be in direct opposition to the gift that you now have, eternal life. Because certain things and certain people will not be inheriting the kingdom of God. Certain behaviors, certain characters, it's just not going to happen. So the Holy Spirit is not in opposition of itself. You know, the truth and the lies will not be fighting against themselves because only one can prevail. That is the truth. The word of God is not subjected to the devil, his imps or his demons. The word of God is truth. Anything else is a lie. It cannot be any lie in the truth. So we have to ask ourselves, what is our true nature and what is our true desire? Is it that of self-righteousness? 
Or is it that of the cross? Because the work has been done. So the garment that you wear, the light that is in you, cannot be fostered in darkness. It cannot have the attributes of the father of lies. Your existence can't not be based on trickery, confusion, deception, control, contempt, disobedience. There must be evidence of your conversion. There must be evidence that you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. The fruit of the Spirit will be evident. No good tree can produce bad fruit. And you cannot continue to have an accusing spirit and everywhere you go is negativity and hell and wrath and lies and deceit which lead to death, destruction, devastation, murder and ultimately total separation from God. So to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and to recognize him as your Savior and your Lord and to submit to his will because it's your desire to do that, you cannot exist with filthy garments. You have to have on the wedding garment, which is that of light, that of his true nature, that of his design, his divine spirit. That is what is going to emanate from you. And filthy garments cannot do that. Spiritually filthy garments cannot do that. His word says we are a new creature every day in Christ and old things have faded away. He's not a liar. He's not a man that he would lie, nor is he a sinner that he has to repent. His word is truth. We really have to understand verse 12. So he said to him, Fran, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Do you think you can stand before the Lord Jesus Christ with murder on your mind and your heart? And have those actions against him, his servants? Do you think you can do that and go against the kingdom? You are kicking at the goats. It's not going to be successful. You cannot stand before him with that. It's not going to happen. He will ask you these questions. Self-righteousness has no place in the kingdom. You didn't create anything. You were not at creation. You weren't there when it says, let's create man in our own spirit. I mean, in our own image. You weren't there. The father was there. The son was there and the Holy Spirit. You weren't there. You are that that is being created. 
You are not the creator. You are the creation. Anything you have, anything you can do, anything you can be, is all because it's a gift. You did not become a living soul until God breathed into you. So you can never boast about me, myself, and I. You're nothing without him. Nothing. You have no movement. You have no being. You have no purpose. If you continue to walk in the path of self-righteousness, it is totally contrary to the kingdom. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, lets us know that he comes to do the works of his Father. And he's obedient to his father. He does his father's will. And if we are children of God, if we are his children, then that has to be our mandate as well. That's why it's written that obedience is better than sacrifice. You have no protection for disobedience. You do not have God's protection. What makes you different from a non-believer if you're operating totally in disobedience and rebellion? What makes you different from a non-believer? That's what they do. But it's even worse for you because you know. That's why he's like friend. He calls him friend. Didn't God say, do I not tell my friend Abraham what I'm about to do before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? Now we find that in Genesis, around Genesis 18. Do I not tell my friend Abraham what I'm about to do? And that's right before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and already had two angels in place to do it. Friend. That denotes intimacy. This person has knowledge of who the son is. But yet wants to remain defiant. And now look where he is. Standing before him. Speechless. Because anything he would speak would be a lie. And a lie cannot exist with the truth. Oh no. Terrible. Going to be terrible. Let's look at verse 13. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's total separation from God. God is the light. There's no other darkness surrounding him. You're totally separated. And you won't have the use of your hands or your feet. There's nothing that you can do. He's the one that gives you the use of your hand and your feet. 
So what would you need it for? You're going to be bound. You know who else is going to be bound? The enemy, the devil, Satan. He will be bound. You're going to be bound just like he is. See the similarity? Going off doing it the way that you want to do it. Being busy. Too busy for God. Too busy for the one that gives you life and gives you purpose. And gives you every good thing. More than you could ever ask for, could imagine, could dream. Because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And he created you to be blessed. To have fellowship with him. Why wouldn't he want to bless you? It's your lack of faith and disobedience that cuts you off. And keeps you cut off. Now we've gotten to the feast. Where it's time to enjoy your salvation. It's time to enjoy your gift. It's time to enjoy. Your. Place. In the kingdom. Your home. Your eternal home. This is just a way station. This is a journey on its way. That we have to take to Zion. To a fortified place. To where God exists. We have to walk this road to get there in this season, in this realm. But if you're not obedient in this realm, in this season, do you think you're going to be obedient then? God knows our hearts. See, when you speak something into existence, that is not the truth. God hears the lie first. You're not going to be able to continue to lie to him. You're not going to continue to do him any kind of way. It says armies came. And especially do ill to his servants. Because when you do ill to his servants, you do ill to him. And then lastly, for many are called, but few are chosen. We have the opportunity, men and women of God, not just to hear about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity to know him intimately. And not only know him intimately, but to be with him eternally. This is what this parable is all about. See, the king is God the Father. And the son that's being honored at this banquet is Jesus Christ. And he came for his own, which would be the house of Israel. But they did not receive him. And if we go to the Gospel of John, and we look at 1 John, the chapter, chapter 1, 
and verse 11. So I'm in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 11. And the Word of God says this. And again, I'm in the New King James Version. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. That's who he came for. That's who the invitation was to. Initially. It was an invitation to join him in the kingdom of heaven. But they refused to believe it. They refused to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. That he was the anointed one. They refused to believe it. Matter of fact, every opportunity that they got to come against them, they did. And they were very harsh to his disciples and to his apostles. Very harsh. It's very rough. And eventually they seized Jesus. And we know that they crucified him. But it was to fulfill the prophecy. So that we could have eternal life. Because the soul that sins must die. There had to be a payment for sin. And Jesus was the final payment for all sin. His blood was the only blood that was pure enough to atone for sin. I thank him for that gift. I thank him for the gift of salvation. I thank him for it. Amen. But many prophets came to proclaim the gift by invitation to come alongside, to be a part of it. And they were murdered. John the Baptist was even beheaded. And we can find that in Matthew chapter 14. And let's look at verse 10. So let's go over to Matthew chapter 14 and look at verse 10. And the word of God says, So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. King Herod did that. But John the Baptist was out in the wilderness declaring that we need to repent because the kingdom was here. Amen. Speaking of the one they had been waiting for. And he was of them. Amen. So the prophecy had to come to fruition. That the temple would be destroyed. And it was destroyed about 70 A.D. 70, that's when it was destroyed. At the hands of the Romans. And we can find that in Luke. Let's look at Luke 21, verse 5. And the Jews would rather have an alliance with the Romans. And knowing about their treachery and their destruction... And 
they're the ones that perfected torture and death by crucifixion. They were experts in torture. It was all about acquiring things. And they were savage in doing it. They had many gods. They called themselves gods. They even put their likeness on coins. It wanted people to bow down and worship them. For their savagery. For their wickedness. For their total defiance. Of holy and sacred things. You wanted to be. Worshipped. For their. Sexual immorality. Their utter debauchery. Again we're in Luke chapter 21. And let's look at verse 5. So it says. Then as some spoke of the temple. How it was adorned. With beautiful stones and donations, he says, six, these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another. That shall not be thrown down. That was Jesus speaking in verse six. These things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another. That shall not be thrown down. That's the utter devastation of the temple. Because of the rejection of the chief cornerstone. And Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. The word is built upon what he has come to do by his father sending him. Because he does the works of his father. Amen. So there it is. God is patient. His grace and mercy endures forever, but he will not continually accept disobedience, wickedness, and total abuse of his servants. That is not going to happen, men and women of God. We must get our house in order. We must see the importance of the parable of the wedding banquet because he's speaking directly to us. We have an opportunity. It says wherever you're found, good or bad, he's bringing you in, amen, to give you this. We have to see that. Now let's go to Acts chapter 13 because his gospel is for everybody. So we're going to Acts chapter 13 and we're going to look about verse 36. Again, we're talking about the parable of the wedding feast. Not the banquet which you'll find in Luke, but we're talking about the feast. Amen. So we're going to Acts chapter 13 and we're looking at around verse 46. And the word of God says this. 
Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. You ought to get excited about that. It's going to happen to you what has happened to them if you continue to reject the word of God. And you're the ones that will judge yourself unworthy. We're going to take a call at this time. Hello, you're on Save the Lost at All Costs, and God bless you. Oh, praise the Lord, Sister Nina. This is Ella Jennings. Oh, thank you. How are you, man of God? Okay, just fine. Shalom, shalom. God love you. I love you in the Lord. Thank you. What you're teaching, sister, I just turned on the radio. You are right on target. Bingo. God bless you. Love you. And I'll talk to you later. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Hey, thank bye-bye. you, man of God. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Amen. We appreciate his encouragement. And it's in the word. I am teaching and encouraging you from the word of God. Amen. And This is how he sets it up. It's not how I set it up, but it's important when we do the work of God that we show it to you so that you can understand how he has this already designed for us so that we can be with him in eternity. Amen. So I am going to go over to Isaiah 64. I got about five minutes left. I'm trying to get through a couple of more chapters. So uh, Isaiah 64, and we're going to look at verse 6. Again, I'm in the New King James Version. So Isaiah 64, verse 6. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Seven, there is no one who calls on your name who stirs himself up to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Eight, but now, our Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. And All we have, excuse me, and all we are, the work of your hand. That's it. We are not the work of our own hand. He's the potter. We're the clay. And it talked about, we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We are unable to save ourselves we are unable to wash away our sin only our Lord and Savior can do that amen but we have to be in a relationship with him to do that and self-righteousness is never a way to God the only way to God is through the cross and his son was on the cross. Amen. He is the only way to get to God. So let's look at Genesis three and we're going to look at verse seven, Genesis three, verse seven. Let me turn to the front, get there. 
All right, Genesis 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Eight, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and God among the trees of the garden. Are you hiding yourself from God? Let's go down to verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. We have to be clothed in his garment. The garment is the blood of our lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. In order for us to receive that that he has for us, the banquet and all that goes with it. We have to receive and acknowledge that we are sinners and that he is right and that we are wrong and that we want to be forgiven. We want to come under his covering. We want to have life more abundantly as it was designed for us in the beginning. Get out of your own way. Your garments are nothing. They cannot protect you. They cannot help you. You need the supernatural garment of his blood. You need to be covered in the lamb's blood. You need to be covered in the blood of Christ. I pray that you go to him and receive him. A sinner's prayer is not going to save you. But your true confession and testimony to him and believing that he died for you and that he rose for you and that he is the true savior to the world will save you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you and amen. Call on his name. It is our humble prayer that the most high God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard Every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas' very own Christian Talk radio stations, 10.60 a.m. and 101.5 f.m. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 3358. 
5852 North Las Vegas 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.